0: You are Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny Lurie, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. Wanted to do a probably quickish episode on the game against the Milwaukee Bucks, which the Warriors won 117-92. I definitely see some justified reasons for optimism in this game, but I do want to temper it a little bit. The Bucks have been a very good team, especially recently. They did beat the Clippers a little less than a week ago, but they were on a back-to-back and it was again in a close game against the Lakers. So that is a little bit of a, a little background for this, but it was amazing how this game turned because for the first seven minutes, Milwaukee had complete control. They were up. 25 to 11 they were getting the shots they wanted on the interior and when they didn't make those shots they got the offensive rebound and took another one they only missed three shots in that first seven minutes and they got two of the offensive rebounds off the three shots the Warriors had one so there are a lot of different things that you can look at for that I don't think it was primarily like an effort issue or anything like Milwaukee is just a really athletic team Zaza Pachulia struggled both with starter Thon Maker, who is long and, and moves well, and then Greg Monroe is, in my opinion, just a, a tough matchup for Zaza, though he doesn't have the speed advantage over Pachulia. He's strong, and he's really smart, and knows what to do with his body, so I think that can be an, an underrated kind of secondary weakness for Pachulia as a defender, is the guys who who are kind of more in his lane, but are better at it than he is, and there aren't that many of those left in the league, but Unfortunately for the Warriors, Pau Gasol is one of them, and Pau Gasol is probably going to be on a team they play in the playoffs, so that's something worth watching, and also it'll be interesting to see how he does against Capella, who is more in the maker mold, though Thon has a much better jump shot, not that he was making it in this game. So again, the the Bucks, everything's going right, those first 7 minutes, they're up 25-11, 6 of 7 in the restricted area, which is concerning both in number and success, and then Basically, immediately, the wheels fall completely off the train. The Warriors just start taking complete control, offensively, defensively. You've heard me talk at length about feedback loops, feedback loops featured prominently in the next part of that game, and... It's it's interesting because some of it you have to give full credit to the Warriors for doing a a nice job defensively for working at it a lot harder and playing better personnel. Javale McGee came in and did a really nice job during the kind of the end part. He was actually in for the last like forty seconds of that seven minutes, but that was the best forty seconds of that seven minutes, and his energy was a huge help. But there is another part of it. So in the stats, if you look just at the time from that mark from this, from 5 minutes remaining in the first quarter to the end of the at to the end of the first half which is really when the game had already at that point gotten really out of hand Milwaukee still Grabbed seven offensive rebounds, which is a lot. They shot three of eleven in the restricted area, so some of that was just them. What I called what I call Jonasing, referring to Jonas Valanciunas, which is getting their own misses and just cycling through in that way. So they weren't getting as many fruitful possessions. But also the Warriors were just doing a much better job. And the reason I talk about feedback loops is that generally playing good defense helps feel good offense, and that's really what happened. During that stretch for the Warriors, it goes both directions. I mean, getting more scores also means it's easier to get stops. So, in that last five minutes plus the twelve, so the last seventeen minutes of the first half, the Warriors outscored the Bucks fifty-two to nineteen. Twenty-one of twenty-seven from the field, seven of eleven from three, including four of six from Stephen Curry. They also got to the line five times, which is more than the Bucks. Still not a lot, but more and. They weren't doing it as much through turnovers as you'd think. They they did get they did draw six, but that was actually even, and they got a few more points off turnovers, but a lot of it was just getting stops, getting rebounds and pushing forward with While it wasn't the best example of defense, an example of it being Matt Barnes throwing that home run pass, or sorry, touchdown pass to Draymond Green, where who had never gotten back on defense and just got got that dunk. And there were a lot of good plays overall. I thought that McGee really was energized in his time on the floor, especially in that first half. Curry looked the best that he has looked. For a while now. I mean, I think you're going back to the right around the All-Star Break when he had those two nice games, particularly against the Clippers, but you could make an argument that it was even long before that, when he maybe went that early stretch in January. And you want to go in two directions on that. And this is something I always do with Curry as somebody who's covered him for such a long time. You look not only at the stats, and the stats are certainly there, but you look at the eye test. And Curry looked more confident in the way that he was moving. He looked more confident not only in the look of his shot, but where he was shooting from. I mean that I think the number I saw was thirty-two foot pull up that he had. If you haven't seen the video, it'll be in my piece for the athletic. It's completely ridiculous. That was a play that he hasn't even really thought of making too often. And I don't know if it was the side of Matthew Delvidova that helped get him going. Delvidova, of course, being curry's nemesis for like a game and a half of the 2015 finals but he had a a great performance and while you know working through everything with curry including the slump piece that i did one of the big takeaways from that from that research but also just watching the warriors is that a lot of what was ailing him was not the quality of the looks and a lot of times when you think about a player who's struggling it can really be that as the driver that they're getting worse shots. And when they get worse shots, maybe it's a better contest. Maybe their feet aren't set. Then they're not turning. They're not getting it. And with Curry, that wasn't true. I think the number I saw was that 19% he was making 19% of his open threes for some duration of time. Well, it's entirely possible that he won't ever go back to the otherworldly level that he was at, particularly last year, but maybe both MVP years for a sustained period. was always unsustainable and this game went a long way towards getting him balanced on that ledger overall for the season and with Curry you know you just kind of assume that these things are going to get back to form not that he's always going to be as I said at that level but his final line especially considering he didn't play in the fourth quarter is significant 28 points 9 of 13 from the field 6 of 8 from 3 and one of his misses was surprising it was a a layup uh, actually blew a Draymond Green highlight Green had a beautiful assist almost assist to him. Curry just blew the layup, and he was also 4-4 from the line. The Warriors got to the line more than the Bucks did, which is surprising considering how much they lived on the interior early, but the Warriors weren't always close enough to foul, and Klay Thompson had a good offensive game. He didn't have the biggest defensive performance here, but he didn't really need to. The Bucks are kind of in a weird place with their perimeter rotation because Jabari Parker is out, and he's their nominal and actual starting power forward. So they've actually been playing Giannis Adetokounmpo more at the four as opposed to his more natural position of small forward that can work in various ways. But so that meant that they were putting different players on Chris Middleton. Clay was bouncing around in terms of responsibilities. I thought he did a pretty solid job. And the other big takeaway for me in this game was Ian Clark. And I thought Clark played with a lot of confidence, and he is getting more settled in with this role that's been legitimately fascinating the last few games where Coach Kerr has used him intermittently, but definitely in the second quarter, as a part of the ball handling group at the beginning of the second quarter. So it's usually been something like Clark, Thompson, Iguodala, Barnes, and David West. So... That allows the Warriors to give Clark the ball a little bit more. Iguodala can still handle situations when needed. They have, you know, David West is a good passer. You can go in that direction as well. But that also allows them to tie Curry and Green's minutes more together, and that makes a lot of sense. For a couple of years, I was one of the many people arguing that that was one of the divisions that actually made sense with the Warriors' minutes, was keeping them together, because back in those days, the Curry-Green pick-and-roll was one of the best things the Warriors had going, even if they didn't turn to it that often. And that is still the case those guys still have really good chemistry together and clay can get his a little bit more more comfortably separately now than before so no idea if they're going to go to that moving forward but the idea kind of I, I had floated this before of having a five-man bench unit or having something close to that when the warriors were, were kind of transitioning was Something that made a lot of sense, because then you can group the best players together, they have good chemistry, and so this could potentially be a a lead-in for the Warriors trying something like that out, where maybe you don't do it rigidly, you don't have to say, you guys, you know, you're, you're all bound together, but giving more minutes to Curry, Durant, and Green together, and then trusting the rest of the team to be able to shoulder the burden in those minutes. And the other way that that can work, depending on how they want to run the rotations, is that they're going to have to figure out what they want to do at the center spot, but you can kind of use Zaza Pachulia at the beginning, kind of like they did with Andrew Bogut, then transition into Draymond at center, so you make the first sub not Iguodala for somebody else, you make it Iguodala for Pachulia, you roll with that for a little bit, and then either you pull Draymond, whatever you want to do from there. It's an interesting idea. You could also just hop back in with David West. You could go in a lot of different directions, but this attempt is kind of giving the Warriors a little bit of resolution there, and Clark being comfortable with the ball in his hands is useful. It's also worth noting that, First of all, there will be fewer of those minutes in the playoffs because these guys are going to play more. But also, that generally speaking, the bench units are better for the teams the Warriors will face in the playoffs than the average group. And today, Milwaukee's bench, other than Monroe, who had a, a big scoring game, they really did struggle just creating reliable offense. Dellavedova did had distinctly not his best game, and some of that is credit to the Warriors. Some of that is just the guy having a bad game. Maybe it was sad that St. Mary's lost very shortly before the Warriors game started. Whatever, and you wonder how much you want to take from that, that he, that he looked good, but it's certainly encouraging. And as has been a theme throughout the year, the Warriors really only need about 40 minutes, maybe 45 minutes in the average round. So that's, I would say that's probably more like the, the second round, the conference finals from players outside of their primary six. And maybe Livingston's minutes are going to drop a little bit more. So maybe you're looking 48 or something like that. But if Ian Clark can get 10 of those minutes, that's a load off of the centers, that's a load off of really everything, and then McCaw's probably going to deserve a few, and then the rest can pretty much go to centers, then you don't have to worry as much about everything else, and of course if they signed Elmer Caspi, which I sincerely doubt they will, that would tie in there as well, or if they really like Matt Barnes maybe he can fill a small role actually kind of like what he does in that beginning of the second quarter, that could work I don't love that idea, but it's a possibility and so, they can go to some of these other configurations, and Before I get into some of the the broader takeaways from this game, especially stuff that I've already gotten into, I want to take a little bit of time to tell you about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a sponsor of Locked On Warriors and somebody I'm always thrilled to have on board because it is a product that I have used for years now. I buy tickets to sporting events that I'm not lucky enough to cover to concerts all the time. And SeatGeek is great because it accomplishes a couple of different goals that are exactly what I look for when I'm trying to buy almost any product that I can. One is they are an aggregator. And that is very important with tickets because there are a lot of different places that sell them. And bringing them together not only helps you evaluate just what's on the market, but it also helps you feel comfortable that you're not missing out on anything and it allows you to save time because you don't have to worry about trying all these different places worrying if things are things are the same price and you can really evaluate it and the other way that they save you time and help you evaluate is through deal score so sporting events in particular but this is true concerts too depending on the venue There can be a lot of variability in terms of ticket quality, and some of it is beauties in the eye of the beholder. Maybe you like a certain part of an arena, or you like at a Giants game, you like a certain section. But other parts of it are a little bit more objective. And what SeatGeek does with their deal score is they combine ticket price and ticket quality, and they say, hey, these are the best values that are on the board. Can't say, hey, buy these tickets because it's a little bit more complicated than that. People have different preferences. But they can say, these are probably the ones that you should be looking between. And even though I used to work in that business, I know, especially in the Bay Area, I know the venues really, really well. I find that they do an amazing job. And I trust my own self so much, but I'm consistently impressed with how spot on they are. And I mean, like I was buying tickets, I think it was for some present for my parents. And I, you know, I spent a while trying to going through using my own methods for, for Pac, I still call it Pac Bell Park. And I ended up picking something that was in right near the top and deal score. So you know how that can happen. So I was impressed with that. And that was, I think that was after they were sponsored, sponsor, but it was right around, right around the time they came on. The first show that that they were sponsored on, which I think was Dunked On, and I've been consistently impressed with their products. You can also go to their app, and part of the reason you can do it—that's really cool—is you go to their app, Seek Geek, S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. You use the promo code L-O Warriors, which is in the settings tab, and L-O Warriors for Locked On Warriors. And what happens is, first of all, that tells them that you came from us, which is great. Maybe they'll, the, hopefully, they'll keep advertising with us and everything like that. But also. It gives you something, too, because when you make your first purchase, they will just send you $20. They will its a $20 rebate on your first purchase. So you use an app that I personally have, I, I've used it for years now, and I, I'm consistently impressed with them. You told them you came from us, and you get $20 free dollars. So it works out perfectly for all parties. You can check it out for concerts, sports, theater, whatever makes you happy. And again, it's Seeky, free app, passcode L O Warriors. Now back to the big takeaways from this game. What I think, other than Curry looking closer to right, the biggest takeaway from this game to me was a reminder of just how good the Warriors can be when they're on, even without Kevin Durant. Their defense looked great for stretches of that second quarter. Their offense was humming. They were getting points in transition. They were also competing, like even though they were giving up all those defensive rebounds in that part. So from the five minute mark to the end of the first quarter, so that 17 minutes, the Warriors gave up seven offensive rebounds. That's a lot. But they only gave up three second chance points. So that's huge because they were able to go through all that time and fight through and some of that was also just good luck of the bucks guys missing shots that they should make and the warriors fans should know that very frequently because the warriors have done that too but they were also able to generate a lot of really good looks for themselves and make both those easier looks that they were generating and some really hard ones curry had a couple of tough shots clay had a couple of tough shots But then, you know, the looks for JaVale McGee were generally really good passes. A couple of nice finds, I think one by Draymond, one by Steph. They were both quite nice. Then there was one nice kind of hook finish that he had, which was encouraging as well. Matt Barnes was two for two from three in the first three quarters. Played a little bit later and missed two. But they got a lot from a lot of different players. And while this is... Milwaukee playing on the tail end of a back-to-back, travel, not a huge flight from L.A. to here, but still a flight, and it was kind of an emotional game against the Lakers, surprisingly, because there was that that scuffle that Luke Walton spoke so passionately about after the game. So, you know, you don't want to read too much into it, oh, the Warriors are back, oh, Steph Curry's back, but it's certainly a note along that direction, and it gives all of us a lot to look for in the game against Oklahoma City. And the, the biggest point that I want to make there is that the Thunder are playing really well. they they've been had a nice stretch for them. They've done well broadly since the trade deadline when they added Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott, basically at the cost of Cameron Payne, which was not that big a deal. And they've looked good in that, but I don't think that you can tell anything definitively about, oh, the Warriors are have this issue or have that issue. But if the Thunder starting five in particular And that now includes Gibson. He's replaced Sabonis in the starting five. If they can't score on the Warriors, even without Durant, then you start to worry a little bit less about that as a potential first round series. Because if they can't score on the Warriors without one of their better defensive players and a huge part of their offensive success, then you go, well, how are they going to do this in a series? You know, I'm not saying that they would make it, oh, then the Warriors are going to sweep them if that's what the first round of series is. Nothing crazy like that. But if they can't score, and I have a, a feeling that they might struggle in that way, maybe not compared to when they got run off the floor the first couple times these teams played, but just generally speaking, that... Well, if that's, you know, closer to their high water mark, considering the health disparity between these two teams, maybe that's a bigger issue. So I'm going to be looking for that in the game on Monday night, and it's going to be just a fascinating experience to see how that works. Looks like Kevin Durant's going to be in the building. He's traveling with the team while he recovers, which is interesting. I didn't really hear any more color on why that's happening, but... These are professionals. They know what they're going to do and Durant's going to do right by his own recovery. So I don't know if it's more of an emotional thing that he wants to go back and be there with his teammates or if there's something else, you know, that he wants to see see something in his recovery or take those flights and spend more time with the training staff that travels with the team. I legitimately don't know, but I tr- trust their decision making because they're professionals and they're very good at what they do. So A couple of games, yeah, there's that one, and then, of course, the next day they play in the back-to-back against Dallas, still in that confusing place for them where they have an outside, outside, outside shot of getting the eight seed. Probably not, but I would expect that they'll still play all their best guys and they'll be gunning for the Warriors in that one. And it will be Curry versus Curry. I don't know if Seth's going to start. We'll have to see, but that'll be worth watching as well. And then the one other piece that I wanted to note, uh, I'm guessing a lot of people who listen to this podcast already know this, so I'll keep it brief, but the Spurs also had a surprising loss today to the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies, from what I could tell, played a really good game, which is not surprising. They've been pl- they've been coming on strong recently. But the big thing that that does is that it gives the Warriors a little bit of a margin in terms of home court. So right now, the Warriors are two games ahead of the Spurs in the loss column. However, you have to note that regardless of what happens in their remaining game, which I believe is at the end of March, the Warriors have to be ahead of the Spurs in the lost column because the Spurs already have the tiebreaker, but that gives them a little bit of a margin, and there are a lot of different ways of thinking about the remaining schedule. Warriors are they're at 69 games now, so that means they have 13 left, and I don't know, other than maybe a few games against teams that are absolutely tanking, that the Warriors have too many just automatic wins. I mean, we saw what almost happened against the Sixers, but I'm going to be fascinated to see, especially in this limited state, whether that logic holds or whether they really do get up for the bigger games against the bigger opponents. I actually think that might be part of the reason why Durant is going, not necessarily in his logic, but the idea of wanting to be there to support the team. And a storyline from this season that has been underappreciated and was also true last year was just that they were whooping everybody anyway is that the Warriors really get up for the games that are that they care about. And yes, they've lost a few of those games, including losing to Cleveland on Christmas. But if you remember, they were doing really well. They had control of that game early and just kind of collapsed late. They've had a few of those games this year when the first time they played the Clippers, they were really amped up. First time they played the Thunder. First time they played the Thunder in Oklahoma City. So obviously the Warriors are a very different team without Kevin Durant. But I want to see if that, general sentiment if that general path holds true and this okc game might be a test of that it might not we might have to wait until memphis a week from sunday so so a week from today was most of you are listening to this and then the big rockets spurs rockets trio so that's the first two are on the road and the last one's at oracle that could be the test of it as well If the Warriors can play competitively in those kind of games, then I think the fans should be a little less concerned than they they might have been with some of the shakiness beforehand because while it was also travel and changing the rotations and one of their best players being out... It can also just be a little bit of focus and a little bit of getting up for the right moments and knowing that those are the dog days of March and the NBA season is always really long and always has those doldrums in it. And so that's why I want to see it won't be as much of a test this road trip, but the next one will naturally be an absolutely huge one. So. Uh, a fascinating stretch coming up for the Warriors. This game is a part of that tapestry. We don't know exactly how it's going to fit in yet, but it's certainly easy to take positive signs from Curry's performance, positive signs from the team's defense and positive signs from their second straight game where they looked legitimately good. You know, they they had that nice stretch at the end of the game against the Sixers. So if you want to add that in as well, then other than that first seven minutes, they've broadly played Eight solid quarters of basketball, and they even were only two points down at the end of that first quarter today against the Bucks. So, if you wanted to say it's nine quarters, I wouldn't have real opposition to that. So, certainly, step in the process, we'll see where it goes from here. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, Danny LaRue, NBA at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me on Twitter, at Danny LaRue. And if you want to support the show, you can leave a rating, leave a review, and you can also Subscribe, download every episode, and then it's always a great thing, also, you can support the show by checking out SeatGeek. You download the free SeatGeek app, that's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. Then you go to the settings tab, enter the promo code LO Warriors for Locked On Warriors, and you can get twenty dollars as a rebate on your first purchase. So whatever you buy—concert tickets, sports tickets, theater tickets—the first thing you do, if you have entered the promo code, you buy buy it normally, and then just they just send you twenty dollars. It's pretty awesome. So you can do that as well. It tells them you came from us, and you can check out a product I personally use all the time. So hope you check that out as well. And I'm not completely sure that I'm going to do a Sunday a Sunday night Monday morning episode this might stand for that I'm legitimately unsure and then with back-to-back games Monday Tuesday I'm probably leaning that direction but if something comes up obviously I will tackle that as well and otherwise you know you can if if I have something you can subscribe check it out if not then you be ready for Monday night's game so a lot to look forward to and thank you so much for listening take care and make it a great day